Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Good morning, church. Um, can we just give another, we love our pastor so much, and we have the best pastor on the face of the earth. Can we give him just another happy birthday applause? And Pastor Mark, um, I know how much you love this body, this congregation, so it's such an honor to be trusted with the responsibility um, to preach the word in your stead. So thank you, thank you, thank you for the opportunity, and thank you all for listening. Are we ready to get into the word? Are we ready? Guys, after that worship, I feel like we went to church. I feel like we're good. Like we can just, we're set. We're set. That was amazing. Huge round of applause for our amazing worshipers who did an incredible job. Church, this is week six of our series, The Pioneer's Path. And this morning, we're going to be talking about obstacles. Say that word, obstacles. We're going to be talking about obstacles. So what happens on our journey to the promised land when obstacles come in our path? How should we view them? What should we do? How should we respond when they appear? Um, Right now, I know I have an obstacle in my life. Can you all just close your eyes for a minute and think about an obstacle that you have, an obstacle that you are believing God um, to do a work in removing? All right, so think about that obstacle for just a minute. And remember that you were not the first to encounter that obstacle. So as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, we're just going to pray that God speaks to us himself this morning, that he delivers just a powerful word. Um, You didn't come to hear me. You don't come even to hear Pastor Mark. You you come to hear from Jesus himself. Um, So so let's, let's pray for him to come in power. Jesus, thank you so much for what you've already done, for the miraculous that you have already um, accomplished in this service this morning. We thank you, God, that you're not done. You're not finished. Jesus, there's so much more that you have for us. There's so much more that you want for us to receive. So Father God, as we talk about obstacles this morning, thank you, Lord, that you yourself are describing to us how you desire to vanquish all our foes. Thank you, Jesus, so much for the opportunity to preach to your church. I love you so much, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, here we go. Here we go. Now, church, um, again, where are we? We're, we're in the Pioneer's Path series. So I want you to imagine the children of Israel, they've been walking in the desert for 11 months. And they finally, finally have made it to the promised land. Come on, get excited. They finally made it to the promised land. Here we are. But church, there's a catch. Now, instead of walking boldly into what God has given them, Moses sent out 12 spies from each of the tribes of Israel to search the land. All right, these 12 spies are leading men from each tribe. The Bible says that they're sons, they're the the sons that are heads of each of the 12 tribes. And he tells these spies, see if the people in this promised land that we're going into, see if the people in that land are strong or weak. See if they're few or many, if the land is good or bad, if the cities are open camps or fortified, if if the land is fat or if it's lean and bring back some of its fruit. So if you are in Numbers 13, which is where this comes from, Numbers 13, in uh, just about verse 16, right before verse 16, you've got a whole list of the names of these men. So-and-so from the tribe of Dan, so-and-so from the tribe of Asher, and it lists all of these leading men, but then at the end of that list, it says, 
Again, Numbers 13, 16. These are the names of the men who Moses sent to spy out the land. But Moses called Hosea, Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Why would I spend my intro talking about that? Why would that be significant? Church, we know that name changes in the Bible are a big deal. Amen? That when God changes the name of somebody, he is about to confirm a promise that he has already made. Amen? Amen? That's why Abram becomes Abraham, right? That's why Sarai becomes Sarah, because the person that you were, God is about to transform into the person that he is, that you're about to be a carrier of the promise that God is planning to do. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So this is what's mind-blowing. I have read, I have heard this story about the spies going into the land a thousand times, and I never realized that when Joshua, the person we know as Joshua, the artist formerly known as Joshua, comes out of Egypt, his name isn't Joshua, it's Hosea. And what does Hosea mean? Hosea or Hoshea means salvation. Joshua means Jehovah is salvation. Why is that a big deal? Why is that a big deal? So we know how the story ends, right? The spies go into the land, they come out, 10 spies give a bad report to the children of Israel and eventually cost them to forfeit their promise to go into the land. But then we have two spies, Joshua and Caleb, who come out from that exact same land with a completely different report. The same 12 went in and saw the exact same land, but 10 come out with a bad report and two come out with a good report. How is that possible? The exact same land, right? The exact same land. It's because when the 10 go in, they go in trusting their own salvation. When the two go in, they go in trusting Jehovah is salvation. Amen? That Joshua, when he goes into the land, he's no longer trusting himself. He no longer is going into the land, looking at the circumstances and saying, I myself have to supply salvation. He's going in the land with a new name. Amen. He's going into the land with the name that says Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah is responsible for deliverance. God is responsible for saving me in this land. Amen. So church, when we have our own obstacles, I think that's something so vital that we recognize that we can go into the exact same circumstances as everybody else. It can be just as dire. It can be just as difficult. It can be just as hard. But the people who are going and trusting their own salvation will only see the obstacle. The person going in believing Jehovah is is my salvation, we'll see the promise. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Again, <laughs> I am I'm not pretending. And jo- Joshua and Caleb, they saw the same obstacles. They saw the exact same difficulty, but they had an eye fixated on the promise of God. So I gave away the spoiler a little bit. The spies go in, they come out, and, and the Bible says that they come back carrying a bunch of grapes so big, two men have to carry it on a pole. That's That's how massive the blessing God wanted to do. The land, that's how abundant and beautiful and rich the land that God wanted to bring his people into. And the 10 come back to the children of Israel and they say, I'm in in verse 32, the land though we have gone into, spying it out, is a land though good, it devours its inhabitants. I'm going to say that again. The land through which we have gone, spying it out, is a land that devours its inhabitants. And then, and I think I have a slide on this, and there we also saw the Nephilim giants 
And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. I just have to sit with that for a second. There we saw the Nephilim or giants. When the children of Israel went to the land, there are there these giants in the, in the land. And so they say, when we saw these giants, we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Church, that is such a powerful statement to me. First of all, I feel like the spies were trying not to be seen, so I'm a little confused as to how they knew that they looked like grasshoppers to the giants, and they aren't trying to be seen by the giants, so that's a little, that's unclear to me. But what is extremely clear is that if you are ready to discount yourself, your obstacles are ready to discount you. Does that make sense? That first they had to be grasshoppers in their own sight. They had to be small and beatable and, and, and less in their own sight before their obstacles, before their giants could see them as such. That they believed they were powerless first and then their obstacles agreed with the faith that they had that they were powerless. And so if, if we as the children of God know that we have been given his promise, but we allow ourselves to discount first in our hearts who we are and the power that we have, it's that action that then allows us to be devourable. It's that action that allows us to be powerless, not because we're powerless, but because we ourselves believe that first. Does that make sense? That they had to be grasshoppers. They have to be small in their own sight before they could be small in the sight of their enemies. And the consequences we know are so dire. Instead of them entering the land, the Lord tells them that everyone who, who doubted, everyone who believed the bad report of the 10 over the good report of the two will not enter the land. It says that everyone under the age of 20, except Joshua and Caleb who believes that God was for them and able to conquer their enemies would never see their land. And so church, they wandered for 38 years. Is it possible that we do the same thing? Is it possible that God has already given us the promise, given us the promise, but when we choose to see the obstacle as larger than ourselves, we end up wandering. It's like we're circling around, not making progress, preventing ourselves to enter into the promises of God. And then the thing that's crazy to me though, is that God did not forsake his promise. His children did, but he did not. That his children forsook his promise, but God never did. He waited, church, God was patient until a new generation was raised up, ready to receive with boldness the thing that God wanted to do. And, and this, is, this part of the message always hits me because I see myself in this so often um, that when the babies and grandbabies, when that new generation does arise, when they are able and ready to enter to the land 40 years later, 40 years after their parents and their grandparents wandered and eventually died in the wilderness, when they first get into that first city, it's called Jericho, the very first city that they hit, Joshua, who's now leading this new generation of the children of Israel, goes into the land and says, I'm going to send two spies to search out Jericho, not to see if it's good or bad. God already told me it's good. Not to see if the land is fat or lean or if it's strong or, or if it's fortified or if it's open. I don't need to see the promise. I know I have it. I'm just sending in my spies to see the thing that God has already done for me. And so when he sends those two new spies 40 years later into the land, they meet a woman named Rahab. Some of you know the story of Rahab, that she helps these spies escape, these two new spies escape Jericho. 
and she says something so amazing to me. When she helps these new spies escape, she says in Joshua 2.9, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. Church, when did that happen? When did the Lord dry up the Red Sea so the children of Israel could escape from Egypt? Wasn't that 40 years prior to this event? Wasn't that 40 years before? The obstacles that the children of Israel said they were grasshoppers in the sight of had been terrified of them for 40 years. They had been scared of the children of Israel for 40 years. Can you imagine the day they saw the children of Israel walking away from the promised land and they were like, phew, all right, we got a little, we got a little reprieve. And they are still in their hearts terrified and they stay terrified for 40 years, which means that first generation could have entered the land on day one. On day one, God had already given them the land, but their obstacles in their own sight looked bigger and so they became bigger. They didn't hurt, their obstacles did not have power over them until they gave their obstacles power, until they themselves then decided that they were too small. Excuse me, they were too small, they were grasshoppers. Until they said, we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we have become in their sight. Church, if we agree with what the enemy is saying first, we'll see that. But if we agree with what God is saying about our future and our promises, We'll see that too. Amen? All right, one, one last thing, church. When the spies came back with a bad report about the promised land, when the spies, that original 10, came back with a bad report about the promised land for the people of God, do you think that um, the two said nothing? Those 10 spies come back, they say, the obstacles are too big, we can't, for we, we definitely are not able to take this land. We're just not strong enough. We're not, we're not powerful enough. The Bible says that Joshua got up in front of the people and said, if the Lord is pleased with us, say pleased with us. Who knows that the Lord is always pleased with you? Amen. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people, the giants of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Church, do we rebel when we don't have the faith needed to overcome our doubts and obstacles? And church, know that God himself is supplying you faith. So it's not up to you to conjure up your own faith that God himself, he's done everything, he supplied everything, including the faith to receive his promises, amen? So when we, again, see our own obstacles over the promises of God, that is when, that's when we fail and that's when we wander. And church, just like Joshua, I declare that your obstacles are bred for you. If that was a highlight of this message, if there was a highlight to this message, that would be it. That God has strategically appointed obstacles in your life to strengthen you, to be bred for you, to make you strong. Church, have you ever thought about the, the, the God that took 
the children of Israel out of Egypt in all sorts of fanfare, plague after plague, deliverance, miracle after deliverance, miracle, he could have easily brought them into a land with no giants, with no obstacles. Why would he put obstacles in the land? Why? Because he wants a children wholly dependent on himself. At children who are going from strength to strength, that whenever an obstacle comes across their way, they go, no, I know my God is greater. And I can see not in my own strength, but in God's strength. At church, I just, I, I, it's so clear in my mind that this is not to say that your obstacles don't exist, they do. But it's to say that your God is greater. That in your own strength, you are 100% correct. You cannot, amen, amen. That church in your own strength, you are correct. You cannot overcome your obstacles. In your own power, if this is dependent on you, you're right. There is no way you're going to overcome this. But I'm telling you, you have a God that literally parted the Red Sea so his children could come through. And I'm wondering what he won't do for you. What thing will he not then extricate you from? What situation have you decided in your heart is stronger or bigger or greater than the God that you serve? Because whatever it is, we need to get our priorities straight. We need to make sure our eyes are saying, God, our hearts and our eyes, our entire beings are saying, God, you are the greatest in terms of my circumstances, in terms of what I see, in terms of what I face, that God, you reign supreme. I don't need to be concerned about the giants because you take care of that. If you say I have the land, I have the land, period. And so church, remember that if your obstacles are bred for you, God is asking you to trust him as you go into the land, knowing that these things are making you strong as you get there. And church, I would love for us to see ourselves as Joshua's this morning, saying that I'm not in charge of saving myself. That's not my responsibility. And I'm not in charge of overcoming this obstacle on my own strength, but that I am wholly dependent on God, that Jesus fights for me, and that I see my circumstances the way God sees them, specifically appointed as bread for me to strengthen me and to make me strong. And church, remember the children of Israel, they had 10 people coming back, mighty men of the tribe saying, no, we can't do this, we're not strong enough. And and only two church that were willing to say, only two spies that were willing to say, no, but we definitely can. God has given us this land. The voices that we're hearing are so important that I know that there are experts and I know that there are people in your life that carry weight. But I would implore you to make sure whatever they're saying lines up with the word of God. And if they have not received the promise for you, don't let anyone take it from you. Don't let the word of any person overrule the word of your God that he has given you the land. All right, I'm wrapping up. And church, last thing is that this is so, so, so important that only none of this happens without listening to him. I just keep hearing in my spirit of people that are wholly dependent on me, of people that are wholly dependent on me, that from the minute they wake up in the morning to the minute they lay their heads down, that they don't trust in themselves for anything, that there is no circumstance that they think that they are facing on their own, but that they are wholly dependent on me to fight their battles for me. And so church, I'm gonna pray right now as I close that whatever that obstacle, whatever it is, that it bows down at the name of Jesus Christ and that Jesus himself fights his, your battles for you. He doesn't send an angel. Isn't that amazing? That our God that is, 
the, the master of the universe. He uses angels, but he came himself. The Bible says that he came himself to deliver his children. He didn't send an angel to die on the cross for us. He came himself. God comes himself into our circumstances. God comes himself into our situations, that he's understanding what you're going through from afar. He is there presently, actively working on your behalf right now in this moment. And, and he is just looking for a person who says, yes, God, not my own strength, not my own ability, but yours, God that I can trust you to do this for me. I can release my obstacle to you knowing that you have done it. You have done it all. I'm gonna pray. Heavenly Father, we worship you. It is so good to be in your presence, Lord Jesus. God, I believe that you have delivered seed to be sown and I ask that it would take root in the hearts of every person listening to the sound of my voice. Father, I would ask that you increase our capacity to hear from you. Increase our capacity to trust you. Increase our capacity to know that our obstacles, God, are appointed by you as bread for us to make us strong, to fortify us, to help us go from strength to strength, not weakness to weakness. Jesus, in your glorious name, we thank you for the opportunity to hear from you this morning. We worship you and we praise you and we say, God, you are our all in all. And we thank you, Jesus, for fighting our battles for us. Thank you, God. In your awesome name, we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 